0: Welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Dafyomi. We are now in Ktubot, Daf, Lamed, Vav, and Bet, on the second Mishnah and the third Parak. After detailing the girls who do get Knaas and our extended discussion about the problem of Komle Bedraba we now find in the second Mishnah lists of girls who do not get Knaas. So the first list... ...plays off of the second list in the first Mishnah. Any of these girls, a convert, a a, a freed woman who was in captivity, or a liberated woman who was a slave woman, who were brought to that new protected kedushat Yisrael circumstance after the age of three, we assume that they are not a betula and therefore they are not liable for knas. Yehuda, Yehuda here uh brings a, uh, a new approach something that we've not heard yet which is that a captive woman even if she is older has maintains her status of Kudusha uh even though she is older than 3. Now that's the first list. The second list parallels the third list in the uh in the Mishnah on uh, on Khaftat. habal Bitov abat bitova abat beno abat yistal abat benavi abat bita. So your daughter, your daughter's daughter, your son's daughter, your wife's same those three. Those are all chiyuv mitat beit din en lahen knas. Why nishim neit chayev benafsho. Since you are chayav Mita, therefore you do not pay, and that of course follows along the general lines of Kom Mitatan and Amon, here's the general rule anybody who is chayav Mitah does not pay That takes us back, of course, to the case of the two men who are fighting, and one bumps into a woman and, and possibly kills her. If he doesn't kill her, then he pays. Obviously that means by implication that if he does kill her and is going to be killed, then uh, he does not pay. Good. So now our Gemara is going to deal with two pieces here. The first is Rabbi Yehuda's innovative notion and approach to understanding the status of a redeemed captive woman who is over the age of three. And the second is the different sources for Kamlai Biduramine and things that uh, tangentially stem from it. I'm Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi of Rabbi Dosa, Dosa Amru Davarachad. So this opinion of Rabbi Huda and the famous Tana Rabbi Dosa, a Talmud of Beit Shammai, uh, said essentially the same thing. That's a proposition. Rabbi Yehudah hadamran, that's our Mishnah. Rabbi Dosa, the Tanya, Shvuyah, Ochele, devar Deveri Dosa. Rabbi Dosa says that a Shvuyah, a girl who was a Kohen, who was taken into into captivity and redeemed, even after the age of three, can still eat truma and Rabbi Dosa. Says, so what did this Arab, uh, this guy who con- ca- captured her, do? Because he fondled her, or whatever that passes her. And Rabbi Dosa is not ready to assume bia. Now, Amar Rabbah Rabba Malohis, Rabbi challenges Rabbi Yochan and says your alignment to Rabbi Dosa, with Rabbi Yehuda is not necessarily so. Maybe Rabbi Yehuda here said that you have to pay the Knas, even though. Uh, she's a shvuya, in order that the sinner, meaning the guy who was only a sir, should not gain, he shouldn't gain from the fact that she was captive. But perhaps over there with Truma he would agree with the Rabbanan that she can't eat Truma. Inami, we could flip it. He's talking about Truma, we saw at the end of uh, Yivamot, we saw, we've seen in Tubot, discussions about uh, whether Truma is or perhaps even Referring to the kind of Truman that's always Drabanan, like truma vegetables, right? Of a but of course, in our case, it's a kanas that's Doraita. Knast perhaps he disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda, and says that if she was liberated after the age of three, then she would get the Knast. She would not get kanas, Now, that's Rabba. Uh, that's uh, Rabba. So Rabbi says, but you think that Rabbi Huda's reasoning here that you pay the kanas is because We have a brighter that expands on our mission. where Yehuda says that a captive woman who's redeemed maintains her Kedushah if she's ten years old. So it's not just that she uh, that she gets the kanas of Ones so that the fellow doesn't gain from his bad act, but rather she also has a folk. Uh, full of a so, and there you cannot argue that his reason is. <laughs> the answer is, you sort of can. The concern is that this girl, Nebuchadnezzar, didn't do anything. She was taken captive. Won't be married because since we, if we claim, if we maintain that the Ketuba is only a hundred, that'll be because everybody assumes that she was uh, taken advantage of in captivity. And therefore, by declaring that she has a Ketubah of 200, it's like our stamp of approval that she was untouched, and therefore people will marry her. Now, but does Rehuda really maintain that such a girl maintains her Kedushah? We have a bright, uh which is a little bit murky. It states as follows, if somebody redeems a captive girl, he can marry her. But if he just testifies that she was untouched, he can't marry her. The notion being that he's uh, somebody who sees a pretty girl, and and he's a Kohen, and he he wants to marry her. So he comes and testifies, even though he didn't really know about it, and testifies she wasn't touched. (laughs) Rehuda says, in neither case can he marry her. So now, parenthetically, we deal with this. First, we said that if you redeem her, you can marry her. Then you said if you testify about her, you can't marry her. Just because the guy's testifying about her, he can't marry her. Like, where'd that come from? So, here's what was really said. If you redeem and testify about her, we'll see why in a minute. But if you only testify about her, but didn't redeem her, now before we get back to that distinction and why it is that if you only testify, but didn't redeem her, you he can't marry her, we have to still reconcile the uh, the issue of Rabbi Yehuda. So, so don't read the Rabbi Yehuda said, in neither case may you marry her, meaning the assumption is that she was abused. Rather, Rabbi Huda says, in both cases, you may marry her. So they just change one word, but it's a key word, which is low. Rishua, he disagrees with her Papa, and he says, the olam Tani. keep it the way we learned it, Rabbi Yehuda was simply responding to Rabbanon. According to me, she maintains her We assume she was not touched, and you can marry her. According to you, who say that we have to be concerned in case of a guy who testifies, you should be consistent and say, and that's what Rabbi Yehuda says. But but saying this is what you should say that in neither case could he marry her. So what's the Rabbanan's reason for making the distinction, Rabbanan? If he redeemed her and testified he can marry her. Why? A person's not going to throw away their money for nothing. In other words, he's not going to redeem a girl that he knows has been abused and then testify she wasn't. So the fact that he put out his money, that indicates that he really knows what he's talking about. If he's just testifying, he saw a pretty girl. He comes and says, you know what, she wasn't touched. I'm a coin. I'll marry her. And therefore he has no credibility. Now, Ravina Rav of Papa Bar Shmuel or Rav Yosef, have the following challenge is presented to Rav Yosef. Does Rav Yehuda really maintain that she she keeps her kedusha? So, if you have a Giyoret, uh who uh, a woman who converts and she sees dam on the same day that she converted, this is the discussion at the beginning of Masachet Nida. Rabbi Yehuda says, meaning. That there is no tumah that goes backwards, and we don't say anything that she touched within the last 24 hours. Made late is tamei, but only from the moment that she saw the dam. Rabbi says she's like any other woman, and her Tumah goes back, made late, 24 hours, or Mipkida which means to the last time she checked. Meaning, if she checked within the last 24 hours, then it goes back to that time. But if not, then it goes back 24 hours. Rabbi Yudah, this is the part we care about, says she has to wait three months before marrying. Rabbi Yossi says she can marry immediately. Now, why is this a challenge? Because Rabbi Huda here seems to be of the opinion that the girl before she converted was liable to have beer with anyone. Now that she converted, she has to wait three months for Havchana so make sure who the Vlad is from. So, how could Rabbi Huda say that a girl who was captive, we assume, wasn't touched? And the answer is very simple. I'm like, you're bringing a contradiction from Yehuda's ruling about a captive, from his ruling about a convert? Gyar, A woman who's going to convert isn't careful in advance. Shvuya Mintur Ravshah, a girl was captive, it was a Jewish girl, she was taken captive. She does her best to try to maintain her, pure uh, purity. Now, Rami, Shvuya, Shvuya, but now we do have a challenge within the issue of captivity. So the same kind of girls in our first group in the Mishnah. Rav says they also must wait three months after they were redeemed or converted or whatever, including a captive girl. Has to wait three months. again. Yosef says she can marry immediately. So now, Ishtig. Uh, uh, um Yosef uh, had nothing to say. He had no response to this. Because this is clearly uh, a contradiction, because here Rabbi Yehuda is saying that she has to wait three months, and the other place we say that a Shavuya, he assumes, wasn't touched. So Rabbi Yosef then asked this Talmud, have you heard anything about it? I heard the following from Rabbi Yosef. That case where she has to wait three months is not a case where she was just a stomach captive, but where there were people who actually saw her being being raped. So, so why would Rabbi Yosef then say that she can marry immediately. She certainly should after three months. So, 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 Rabbi says that Rabbi Yossi has uh, the following approach, that a woman who's having illicit relations will always use some sort of birth control so she doesn't get pregnant. So now Bishta Magior, I understand with a convert, given the Daita because she knows she's going to convert, Min to so she'll use that sort of thing. So that's why Biotsi says she doesn't have to wait three months. Shvuyanami, also a Yada she doesn't know when she's going to be redeemed. So she's careful. Shivranami de Pimara, also a Shifra. She heard hears her master saying I'm going to free you pretty soon. So she knows to watch herself. Al What do you do about a spontaneous liberation from captivity, such as a uh, slave or a slave girl, in this case a slave girl, whose master knocks out one of her, her, her eyes or her limbs, whatever it is, Shein V'ayin is the, the Sugin Kedushin, enumerates 24 different limbs and parts of the body, in which case there is no advance notice. So that means there's a girl who was, a, who was a, a Shifcha, and she thought she'd be a Shifcha for life, and then suddenly, boom, her master hit her, and suddenly she's going free. She didn't have a chance to watch herself in advance. And if you want to say that Rabbi Yossi would not apply it there, any spontaneous situation, he would agree with Rabbi Yud and say, I have to wait three months. After all, the case of Onus and Fateh is also spontaneous. Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yud have their same positions also about Onus and Fateh. That Rabbi Yud says you have to wait three months, and Rabbi Yossi says you can marry immediately. So how could Rabbi Yossi say that if if the assumption is? If rabbi's explanation is that Rabbi Yossi maintains that a woman who has nuth is going to use birth control in advance, there's no advance here. Rather, Rabbi Yossi maintains that any woman who has illicit relations will afterwards turn around in such a way and move around her body so to make sure that she doesn't get pregnant. So, so then whatsoever Yehuda's reason? Does he disagree about the way these women behave? The answer is, The answer is, Revita says, we have to be concerned that maybe she didn't, and as he agrees, she tries to do it. Maybe she wasn't successful, you have to wait three months. Okay, good. Now, the next piece in the Gemara goes back to the end of our Mishnah, that, uh, proves, that proves, from the possek in Shemot HaFalaf about the, uh, etc. Is that really the source for We learned it from Rish Ato. We saw that in the earlier sugya, that you uh, hold them culpable for one thing and not for two, meaning you can't get two punishments for the same thing. So it's not from the pasuk in Shemot, it's rather for the pasuk in Dvarim. From pasuk in Dvarim. So the answer is, So one pasuk, which is the pasuk in Shemot, is about being executed and that exempting you from the financial liability. The one in Dvarim, which is clearly about Makot, is about Makot and Mamon. Why do we need both the and if I was only told that when you are killed you don't pay because it's so severe, you're getting killed. But if you're only getting Malkot, you're not being killed, so you should still pay. And if I only said Malkot to Mamon, because obviously the violation was not so severe, you're not getting killed for it. So therefore, that's why you don't have to pay money. But in a case where you're being killed, clearly the violation was big. Maybe you still have to pay a malo tsricha. Good. So according to a mayor who says that indeed you do get makot and mammon, so why do you need two psukim? Uh, because after all, one of the psukim is going to reject. The answer is chadav mito mammon, chadav mito malkot. There's a third, a third pairing here. Remember, any anytime you have three things, which is mito malkot, and mammon, there's going to be three different pairings. A and B, A and C, B and C. And so now your mayor says one of the psukim is about mammon. Mita and mamon, and the other is Mita and Malkot. Utsricha, why do you need them both? Obviously, Tanakama felt you didn't need them both, and Mita and mamon and Mita and Malkot to be one thing. Utsricha, the yeah, Mita mamon, if I only knew that when you get killed, you don't pay. That would be because you're getting both a physical punishment and a financial liability. Law of that we don't do. Mito Malkot, but if it's Mita and Malkot, which are both on your body, and maybe it's just like one long death. First you get Malkot to Machatba for the love, and then you get Mita. Yashmina Mito Malkot and the opposite. If I only said that you don't get Mito Malkot, a tart to begufe, because maybe once you punish your body we only do one thing. A mito mama dehara you just the, the opposite argument. But in the case of Mitan Mamon, where one's your body and one is, is your, your money, which is two separate things, Amanavi Avi perhaps I, I do it, so Tsricha, therefore I need it. Now we're going to peruse several psukim that deal with, uh, things related to the issue of Kamle Amine and figure out what they're needed for. First of all, we have three psukim that are psuk, Pasuk 3 on the page, which is 2 psukim, and then the next one is Pasuk 4, follows it, which are in Parshat Mas'e. Why does the Torah have to say that you can't take payment for a, um, for a murderer? That sounds as if you're saying that when you murder somebody, you don't also take payment. The answer is, what the Torah means this is the way it's generally read, don't take money from him and exempt him. It doesn't mean you don't kill him and have him pay. It means you don't take money and have that be a kofar, a kapara, and let him off the hook. So the next pasuk, which says, So why do you need uh, a pasuk to say, you don't take money when he runs to the irmi klat. Again, that sounds like you're saying that don't pay, but we already know that. The answer is no. That's again the same principle. You don't take money from him and thereby exempt him from Galut. So why do we need two pasukim? Why do we need a pasuk to say, you can't have somebody pay off and not get killed and pay off and not go to Galut? So the answer is, one of them is relative to Shogun, one of is Mezid, Utsriki, that, and I need them both. If I had the first Pasuk, which is about a murderer, he did a very violent thing, a very terrible thing. So there I know, you, he can't pay his way out. A But I might think, in the case of Shogun, you'd have two choices, Galut or payment. Sure, you're gonna to have to, to, um, to, to go into Galut, and you can't pay your way out, <inaudible> we're going to kill you, so maybe we'll give you a chance to pay your way out. <inaudible> now, the next Pasuk, which is Pasuk 4 on the page, is, <inaudible> the, uh, the land will not be uh, cleansed except with the blood of the person, who, for the blood that was spilled, except by the person who spilled it. Why do I need that? Again, it seems to be saying that you the same idea that you just had, which is you can't pay your way out of it. The answer is that this gives us a whole different wrinkle. Remember, if a person is found uh, body is found between two cities nobody knows who killed him they, the baiting of the closest city comes out and does a ceremony where they break the the uh, neck the back of the neck of a calf and there's a whole ceremony which is a ceremony of Kapara how do I know that if they already did that then they found the murderer how do we know that we don't say oh we already did the Rufa. you're free to go Therefore the text says the land will not be forgiven or will not be cleansed until except with the blood of the person who killed him. Which means that even if we'd already done Egl once we found the guy we still have to kill him. Now, what do we need the Pasuk in Egl So why do the Kohanim make this declaration? You Hashem clean out the uh the 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 uh the cleansed blood. Right. Um what's it for How do I know that anyone who is killed by the sword is killed from the neck meaning All murderers are compared to the Eglarufa. And that's why the puzzle says you will clean out all of this uh, blood. Right, Malahal halim just like the egg rufa is killed from the neck, afshov chedam So, murderers, not the calf, but the murderers are also, they are killed from the neck. So, maybe they're also with a cleaver and, and opposite the back of the neck, afkan makovitz mulah orif. Which, of course, we don't do in execution. What does vahftal recha kamocha mean? You're going to execute him, you do it in a humane way. And therefore, even though it has to be minat savar, nonetheless, you don't do it the same way you do in angla. Now, we have a pasuk at the end of Ayikra, which seems to be referring again to not letting a murderer off with payment. Here, the implication, as it's evidenced in Sefer Zion, is somebody who is going to be executed. So any cherem khum minadam lo yipade, I can't be redeemed. So Lamali, what do I need that after I have those ba Bamidbar? And by the Khritanya, it's something else. Min the Lehareg or Koalai, how do I know that if somebody's being taken out to be executed and one guy says, I'm gonna donate his value to the Baytamikdash, minayin. Shalom <clears throat> How do I know that what he said is nothing and he doesn't have to pay anything? Meaning anybody who's going to be executed can't be redeemed. Meaning the damn of their value anymore. Okay, and I might think that this is true even before he was convicted and sentenced. That's why the pasuk says not every person, but some people. Meaning only once they've been convicted. Now Hanani and disagrees with this. The person does have a value, after all. If he's between the age of you know, of uh, twenty and fifty, then he's got this value. If he's a baby, he's got this value. Everybody's got a particular value, and therefore uh, the the works. And though if he's about to be uh, killed, so uh, so that you can say erko and you have to pay that much. So what does he do with the pasuk? We found that people who are killed shamaim pay money, and they are then they are forgiven. Where do we say that? In the case of the guy who falls into the woman and and she lives, but she loses her baby, he pays. And what's the payment called? It's called a kofar. So, yahol I might think that it's also true if somebody's gonna be executed by the beit din. Therefore it says, any min ha'dam, min adam now refers to the beit din. Anyone who's gonna be killed by the beit can't be redeemed. So when he's gonna killed by God, he can pay, uh, make a payment and it's forgiven. Maybe that's only with severe mitot. Right, where where if you did it by accident there's no kapara, taught not Kapara, something like Chilul Shabbat, where if you did it by Shogig, there's a Kapara minayin. how do I know that even in that case um that uh, you can't pay your way out? So I'm Kol that's why it says Kal Kharim. But don't you already know that from lo tichu kofar back in Bamidbar? That whenever you're chayab Mita you can't pay your way out? So, so what I need the Pasuk for? Again, I'm back to square one for Mechanan Merkavya. For the Tanakama, I know what I need the Pasuk. To tell me that if you say the value of that guy, I'm going to donate, that you have not said anything. Mechanan Merkavya rejects that. So what does he need it for? I might think it's only true if you killed him and say, going up the ladder, meaning in, intentionally. Because there, there's no way to be mechaper. But if you killed him on the way down, meaning it was a mistake, now chapara. You can go to galut. So I might think that you take money. Of course, we're going to reject this because we already had a pasuk that we already learned back in the earlier sugya of a tanu I'll do this quickly because we've just done it. Just like when it comes to damaging property, we don't care what your intent was and how, how, uh, how deliberate it was, your chayav. The same thing with killing somebody. When you kill somebody, it doesn't matter why and what the circumstances were, which means it doesn't matter whether you're going to be killed for it or not. Nonetheless, you're still pator from any financial liability that comes along with the same act. So that can't be what uh, what Reh Kavya is saying. How will he interpret the verse? If you blinded somebody and that same attack killed him, then I would say, sure, that's when you don't pay. But if you punched a guy, let's say twice at the same time, and one of them blinded him and the other punch killed him, so maybe you have to pay because one for the eye. So that's why it says. So now it's not saying well you can't buy your way out, but rather once you're cherem, there's no money to pay. But that lesson was learned from another lesson of Bechizkia. What does that mean? You pay an I for an I, meaning equal payment, and you don't pay an I and a a life. In other words, once you're giving it your life, you don't pay the lesser amount. I might think that when you pay for damages to somebody, there is a knas. I might think of it as a knas. Even though... I am I'm being killed, nonetheless, I might have to pay because it's a knas um, uh Malan, that um that um that it is applying to knas in other words, I might think that in since in the case of knas it's a Hidish, and I have to pay, and I have this extra pas which tells me that that um in such a case. Uh, to say, "Aha! Uh-huh, so I'll apply it to Knas and say that I might think that I would have to pay, uh, the Knas when I'm being killed, Kamash that I don't. Well, the Rabba, the Machir be Knas, I've got the Mikhtam Mashalim, but according to Rabba, who says that you do pray at Knas, remember with Abu Hamisha, Hi Kocherim what does he do? Is the answer? He disagrees with the Kocherim Mayavi. He must hold like the Tanakama of Recham Rechaviya, that the Pasuk Kocherim is there to tell you that if you donate the value of somebody who is convicted, somebody who is convicted on his way to his death, that you have not said anything because he indeed has no value. Kocherim loyi padet. Everybody should have a wonderful day. We'll continue Mirza Hashem at the next Mishnah and the next podcast.